Welcome to the Conversions Podcast, where we discuss conversion rate optimization and the latest tips, technologies, and actionable strategies that you can actually use to get more of your website's visitors to take action. And now, your host, Francis Teo. Today, we have with us Pep Liar. Pep is a conversion rate optimization expert and the founder of Marketect, a conversion optimization agency. He also blogs at Conversion XL, one of the top conversion optimization blogs online. He is also the author of the new book, How to Build Websites That Sell, The Scientific Approach to Websites, based on his popular blog. Welcome to the podcast, Pep. Good to be here. Thanks for your time today and thanks for coming on. My pleasure. So, Pep, tell us a bit about how you got into this whole conversion business. Well, many years ago, I had my own SEO agency. And uh, while doing SEO for my uh, clients, I realized that the way they measured my success or um, the value I added to their business was not just the amount of traffic they were getting, but the money. So I quickly realized that just driving traffic to their site is not really just, you know, it's not the single most important thing. Because what, 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 what good is a bunch of traffic if they don't do anything? So hence, I started to first, you know, tweak their sites here and there a little bit and uh, saw that, hey, well, this stuff works. Uh, and uh, we really should try to, you know, more people, get more people to take action on the websites. And then, you know, I started reading a book here or there, uh, I took some courses and uh, and I found all this stuff uh, fascinating. I even didn't know it's called conversion optimization back then. I think the year was 2007. Uh, and uh, I slowly gravitated away from SEO at all. And I, I don't do any SEO uh, at all today and I haven't done it for years. And I found uh, conversion optimization just fascinating and uh I was uh, doing it as a freelancer in the beginning and um, put together this company called Marketect two years ago. And uh, now we've grown to 10 people and uh, things are looking good. Oh, that's a great story. So you've been doing this since 2007. That's like seven years? Seven years. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Before uh, I worked for uh, like a real estate portal where we also had to you know, figure figure this stuff out, how to get more visitors to uh, take action. So indirectly and not being really conscious of it, I was also doing it before. But yeah, I guess a conscious effort since 2007. So over these seven years, have you found that the market for conversion optimization has grown? Is there increased demand? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think 2007, most people didn't know what conversion optimization is. Uh, It was a game for uh, very big companies. Um, so now, now where any high school kid knows how to do SEO, uh, I think the same similar um, process is happening to conversion ex- uh, optimization where it's getting more to the masses and anybody calling him herself uh, uh, an internet or digital marketer uh, will know the basics of conversion optimization. So I think in the coming years, we'll see a democratization of conversion optimization where any small web dude will think that they're also, you know, a conversion guy. 
so which is good and bad. Uh, the good side is that more conversion know-how will be accessible and more people will know bits and pieces of it. And the downside, uh, downside will be that there, were, uh, there will be more snakes oil, uh, snake oil salespeople around selling uh, BS advice. Wow, that's a, that's a really interesting uh, viewpoint on this. Um, I mean, when I started doing conversion optimization, I thought it's this whole like, you know, let's just split test the buttons, you know, let's make the button bigger and we test the orange button, stuff like that. And But I really, when I really got into it, I found that it's, this is really complex art and science. It's not simple at all. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, I think it's also that, People want it to be simpler than it is because people like to people like things to be simple and it's easy to understand simple stuff. So an idea that I test a green button versus an orange button is is an attractive idea. I, if that's all it takes to get more money, you know that's uh, uh, that's wicked. Um, however, yes, if you just test green button versus orange button, actually you're doing a a huge disservice for yourself. Well, I think going forward, the experts like yourself will be able to differentiate um, between yourself and an amateur by by providing a more comprehensive conversion strategy and testing. I have to agree. What are some of the conversion problems you see on websites and e-commerce shops today? Well, I think the most common uh, common mistake that I see is a, a lack of clear and compelling value proposition. A value proposition that uh, says what this website is about, who who's it for, and uh, what's the end benefit for the user, and also at the same time addressing how it's better and or different from the competition, the other choices out there. Um, you know, we know that users do comparison shopping. So it it's it's never a case where they come to your site and then, then they decide whether to buy from you or not. They'll, they'll shop around, they'll check out other options. So it's super clear that they understand why they should spend their money with you. And if you browse around the random websites and trying to get an answer, why should I buy whatever from this website, not the other website, you'll find that uh, it's, it's very hard to uh, figure it out. And a lot of websites even are not clear about what they do in the first place, like what the website is about. So that is by far the most common uh, problem. Uh, other problems I would point out, uh, one would be uh, a lack of focus. People are not really clear what is their single most important objective. And they'll say, hey, maybe you want to read about this thing and maybe you want to click here or here and or in case, you know, you, you're this kind of person, maybe you want to click here instead. So they, they give too many choices. There is no obvious path. They're not driving people down the sales funnel. And even if they're, let's say, pretty good at getting people off the homepage, uh, let's say to a product page. And uh, oftentimes the product pages are, uh, are not optimized uh, to, um, to take action. Uh, whether it's uh, poor design, like for instance, e-commerce sites often suffer from either lack of images or crappy images. You know, like w when you go to a store to buy a new pair of uh, jeans, you know, you pick out the pair that you like, you know, 
you, you base your decision ba- on uh, on the design of the jeans and also price. Um, but you, you start off with whether you like them or not. So on e-commerce sites, photos will do the job. And if your photos are not crisp, clear, big, and you know there's 50 of them, then you know you're gonna lose customers. When you say poor design, you don't mean that the website is ugly, right? Do you mean the website is not functional or do you mean something else? Uh, no, I mean it's but ugly, yeah. That's really interesting. Uh, when I optimize some sites, like I found that a simple but not that ugly site actually converts pretty well in some cases, as long as it's functional. Well, sure. Uh, it all depends on the, the target market, but if I'll take one website and make a prettier version of it, chances are that uh, eight times out of ten it's going to convert better. Frankly, because people are huge skeptics. They walk around like they browse the, they browse the internet suspiciously, especially if you're an unknown site. So design is what creates the first impression. If the first impression is this is a crappy site, you know, you're, you're already fighting an uphill battle. If I've never heard of you, but your site looks amazing, it's uh, well-designed, and by well-designed, I don't mean bells and whistles and flash intros, you know, none of that uh, crap. A beautiful design will do so many things for user confidence, and user confidence has a huge impact on conversions. Now, I have to agree with you that the first level is that the design needs to be good enough. The difference between really crappy design, like amateur, your grandma made it, versus good enough, that's huge. The difference between good enough and great design is already less. So there's going to be decreased returns on your investment for sure. But in the end, still, uh, design matters a lot. Uh, and design is not just about also the looks, it's also about uh, the general flow on the website. It's about the visual hierarchy. What's more important than the others? Uh, what stands out? It's about uh, positioning calls to action. It's about conserving attention. Because when people, you want people to read, let's say, um, the copy on your website, the sales copy. And if it's just a, a chunk of text, no one's going to read it. Uh, and if they're not going to read it, they're not going to buy anything. So the way you de- design the content on your website, and content is a huge part of design, it's super important. Uh, so your 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 key job here is to design the site in a way that people's attention is always kept, so they they don't uh, go away, they don't get bored. Uh, so design is very very important. In that case, I totally agree because um, what I was saying is more of I've seen websites that are very well designed, but they they're very fancy, but they are, they don't serve the user at all. So maybe the it looks very nice, but the it's not functional. They have very fancy navigation that really you can't see the navigation. That kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, usability is uh, is everything. If people are un- unable to use your site properly, you're going to lose a lot of money. So, you know, you, you need to have a top, you know, <laughs> usability optimized website as well. Uh, a key part of what my agency does with every single website we work on is that before, let's say we buy, build a new website. Uh, so before we make the website live, 
will conduct usability testing on it with 10, um, 10 target users. And uh, that helps us identify any confusing parts, any bottlenecks, and then uh, we can fix those before making the website live. Because if there's, if there's ever a moment on your website where people go, I can't figure out what to do, or I can't understand, then you've got a huge problem. And uh, the rest of your conversion work will be useless because you have this huge you know, uh, bottlenecks in your website. So how do you find these users for usability testing? Uh, there are two ways. Uh, if, if it's a, a business that has been around for a few years and we are just, let's say, changing the website, building a new website, then we usually recruit these usability testers from the customer's newsletter. So the customer sends out the newsletter saying, hey, you know, we need 10 people to test our new site. Uh, and uh, you, you, you'll get a, whatever, $25 gift card. Uh, so that's option number one. Option number two is that if, if, if the product or service uh, that's being sold is, let's say, uh, a mass market product. You're selling jeans or sneakers or, you know, something like that. Then you can use these uh, usability testing marketplaces like usertesting.com, trymyui.com, open hallway, and recruit testers from there. It's pretty affordable. And third, third choice is that there's this service called Ethneo. Basically, it's a script that you add to your website that prompts users uh, while they're surfing the website that, hey, would you like to earn, you know, a $25 gift card or whatever? And they say yes. Then there's a small questionnaire that qualifies them. Like, are you a man or a woman? Are you, how, how old are you? Um, what's your income like? And uh, so basically this uh, tree of questions qualifies the user and uh, you can, uh, identify visitors that match your ideal user profile. Because what's critical here is that every tester that you use is matches your, your ideal customer profile. You don't want random people using your website. Like if you're selling, let's say, um, gene therapy services, and you have a person that has never heard of gene therapy, that's probably a useless uh, tester for you. It will give you feedback that does not matter. Or if you're selling um, video games uh, and the tester is uh, some stay-at-home mom who's never played a video game in her life, again, her, her feedback is going to be useless. <clears throat> so it's very important to, uh, to always make sure your testers match the, the actual people you want to sell to. When you mentioned that you basically survey the active users using this service, or you use a mailing list of the, their current customers, do you find that offering an incentive might skew the results because they are incentivized to complete the survey? Uh, no, I don't think so. Okay. Well, I'm always quite careful when I do these kind of things because I'm really not a big fan of stuff like focus groups, which is the other extreme, where people sit around on the table and they, they are incentivized to make a response and it really doesn't work. Uh, it's, it's you're asking people's time. So people's time is precious and it, it needs to be compensated. If you're not compensating your uh, testers, then uh, you're a bad human being. So can you tell us more about the, the overall process you use for conversion optimization? You mentioned you uh, you start off with identifying the value proposition and go for there. 
what's the process you use? Right. So uh, a new client comes in. So first thing we do is uh, we survey the audience. Although, of course, after talking to the client and learning everything we can about the business from the client itself. But um, then, yeah, after that, we'll, we'll conduct, do a, put together an online survey for the customers, existing customers. And we'll, we'll look into getting at least 100 responses or so. Uh, and we're asking questions about who they are, uh, why did they buy the service or product, um, what else have they considered, I mean, the kind of services they, uh, they've used in the past. We're asking them questions about uh, their shopping process. But yeah, an important part is that we only want to serve people who recently bought a product or service from our customer so they would still remember their buying experience. Uh, and we ask questions about, you know, what, what other uh, companies or websites do you consider? What kind of doubts or hesitations you had before buying the product? Uh, were there any questions you had that you couldn't find answers to on the website? And the main goal is to get in the head of the customer to really understand how they buy and why they buy. And so that helps us put together uh, a target persona. Uh, we're not really details about personas like you would be in uh, some other projects. So the main things that we need to establish for the sake of persona is to, we need to understand the role of the customer, uh, what kind of what kind of uh, function the, the product or service plays in, in his or her life. Like, you know, this, this depends on the, on the product or service immensely. You know, if, if we're selling jeans, then it's more straightforward than we're selling uh, online, uh, you know, logistics service. So, but basically we want to understand user intent, why they're, uh, what, they, what they're trying to accomplish. Uh, we want to understand uh, the user scenarios uh, for which purposes are they buying this uh, product or service and how are they going to use it and, and so on. So this will give us a huge insight into the, the needed value proposition uh, and also the, the general copy as well. So what happens after you develop this persona? Once we know who this person is and why they're buying our service and what what they want to accomplish, we base the whole website around that persona. So we're going to evaluate the whole website, like depending whether we're optimizing the existing website or, or building a brand new one. But let's say we're optimizing an existing website, then we're going to go through the, the purchasing flow, the sales funnel of the website, uh, and look at, analyze each page to see what's, what is there relevant for the target audience and what's not relevant. And uh, for each page in the funnel, home page, product page, category page, whatnot, uh, depending on you know, the, the, the product and the flow, we'll look at uh, several different things for, for each of the page. Um, we'll we'll uh, look at stuff like how to make the offer more credible. How to make it more uh, believable? Why should the user trust us or believe us? So basically, it's about user confidence. So this is about 
testimonials, social proof, expert testimonials, whatever we can do to build trust with the target user in mind. You know, if the target user really respects a certain organization or a certain guru, we want to make sure that that organization says that we're legit or that guru has a testimonial. We want to understand the different, the buying stages most users are in when landing on the site. So are they uh, in the research phase? Are they uh, usually, I don't know, last minute shopping and so on? So information that we need to present on the pages depends on their buying stages. Um, the survey will de uh, tell us also about the fears, uncertainties, and doubts people have. So we need to make sure that in uh, every step of the way we address any fears. If the fear is that, what if these pants are not going to fit me? Then that it's easily visible that you know you can exchange this pair of pants that you're buying uh, within you know 60 days, uh, or you know there's a money back guarantee, or, you know whatnot. So we address all fears and uncertainties and doubts. We want to understand if there's anything on the page that distracts, if there's anything we should remove. So every single page in the sales funnel should have a single goal, single objective. We want the user to take this particular action on this page. So anything that does not directly contribute to that, we remove. Because we know from also from research that you know, simple is good, people like simple, uh, and so on and so forth. So we all always want to simplify the whole website, the, the whole sales funnel. So I guess that's our main main uh, process. And also, of course, copywriting is hugely important. Copywriting sometimes is 80% of the sales is about the copy. So the copy needs to be really, really good, and it really needs to understand the user and present the information that the user is looking for. We need to provide adequate amount of information because I would say that uh, like there's, a, there's research out there that says that 50% of shopping carts are abandoned because of insufficient amount of information. So we need to make sure that every question the user has about the product, every question has been answered. Uh, we need to provide sufficient evidence for each claim that we're making about the product. Uh, we, we need to make sure that we don't use any jargon, any complicated language, because in the end, we're, we want humans to read the website. We want humans to read the text on the page. So we need to make sure that the, the text reflects the language that the target user uses in everyday uh, conversations. And, you know, imagery is important, you know, again, this depends on the product. Uh, if possible, we'd like to add some urgency into the process, you know, book now or, you know, or the price will go up or what, what not. But, you know, urgency is, is a powerful weapon that should be handled with care. Uh, you know, if you use fake urgency, you kill all trust. People are not idiots. They'll, uh, they definitely know when you're using fake scarcity or uh, have any other kind of fake urgency. Then again, if it's legit, if you can create authentic scarcity, it's superbly powerful. So you develop the customer persona from the survey and then you think of all the possible ways where you try to reduce the friction, provide more information to the visitor and create a copy tweak the design, all these components. 
how do you put it all together? How do you generate the final version? Do you like drop everything so that you can clear your mind and and how what's your creative process? Uh well it is um it is like there there needs to be there needs to be one person that looks at all of the data. So basically once you you dig through the data, the Google Analytics data, of course, very important. If there's any heat map data, you look at that, survey data, whatever the client tells you, competitive analysis, you, you look at the competition. So you're sitting in a huge amount of data, and at first it's, you know, it might seem overwhelming. And then you'll start seeing, start seeing patterns. And of course, it's a skill. You know, the more you do it, the, the better you get at it. So, so yeah, so once you sit in the data, and and look at it. You you'll get a you'll get an idea, uh, the overall idea of what it should be. And the communication tool that we use inside our company is wireframing. So let's see if I'm doing the analysis, then I sum up uh, my findings or my proposal of how everything should be in the form of a wireframe uh, and screen by screen, like the home page, the product page, the category page check out whatnot so basically i cover the pages that are in the in the sales funnel and if there are any other critical pages uh those as well and once i have the the initial draft done then you know i'll i'll uh, tweak every individual screen let's say the product page uh, again using all these principles like uh, clarity simplicity you know whatever uh, removing friction um and uh once i have that done then i'll sit down with my team and basically i present my case i say these are the findings from my data and uh this is this is the wireframe this is how i see it it's play out and then we'll have a a back and forth discussion while they try to shoot holes into my vision and uh, uncover any issues that there might be that something that I have uh, may have missed. So basically a fresh pair of eyes. And if we uncover something, then we'll change something, we'll add something. And uh, also co when it comes to copy, then you know you need to use professional copywriter. So basically in my wireframes, I work uh, when I craft value propositions and when I work with copy, I work with rough drafts, basically communicating the key points that I have identified that we should communicate. But the, the, the exact wording, we use a professional copywriter uh, that will uh, find the right words because this is a skill of its own, you know. Um, and and you know, good copywriters are not cheap. Uh, so if, the, if there's, uh, I mean, it, of course, Depends on the skill, but I would always rather write my own copy than hire a cheap copywriter. You'll get much more. Basically, it's a waste of money to hire a, a cheap copywriter. I agree. So where do you stand on the long-form copy versus short-form copy debate? I mean, it, it depends, on, depends on the product or, and the action. If it's an email opt-in, long-form long copy is going to distract. So you don't need a lot of copy in order to get somebody's email address. Uh, at the same time, if you want to sell something, then 
a more complicated and or expensive the product, the more copy you need. So if I'm if I need to buy milk from the supermarket, I'll just go to the supermarket uh, dairy aisle and I'll pick out the bottle of milk that's done. If I'm going to buy a house, I'm going to research for months. I'm going to see so many different options and so on because it's a complicated product and it costs a lot of money. So it's the same thing. The more complicated and or expensive the product that you're selling, the more copy you need. So there's a clear formula here. What wireframing tool do you use for internally for this, I would call it a brainstorming and evaluation kind of process, I guess? We use balsamic mockups uh, simply because A, it's super fast to create uh, wireframes with it, and B, that the end result will still look like a wireframe and not like a design. Uh, so it's not a design tool. It's, a, it's, it's like a communication tool of how everything fits together and what goes where. And it's a designer's job to take the wireframe later and uh, make it look awesome. So, so it should not, you know, a lot of these wireframing tools, they go too specific. You can already basically design in them. So I find in the, for, for conversion people, it's, um, uh, it's a it's, it's a distraction. You need to focus on the bigger picture and not on the design. This is only for if you're designing a new website, right? What if it's... I mean, I use Balsamic as well. Uh, well, I mean, it, it all depends case by case. It depends on the, the scope. If it's a redo of an existing website, it depends on the, the amount of changes that are needed. So if it's a, a small change, you know, there's no point spending time wireframing. However, if it's a, like a dr more dramatic change, then it might be better to use a wireframe to to communicate to the designer or the coder what, what needs to be done. How about for small incremental changes? Do you go through the whole wireframing? I mean, do you use any software for that? Uh, incremental changes basically with just a paper sketch. And then um, just set up the test in uh, whatever tool you use. We use usually Visual Asset Optimizer, sometimes Optimizely too. So you mentioned some of the tools you use. You use Visual Website Optimizer, you use uh, Balsamic. Is there any stuff that, uh, any other tools and software that is useful for your process? Uh, for service, we just use Google Docs. Uh, some people have a problem of it looking too plain, which I actually like. But um, there's a there's a very beautiful survey tool called Typeform. So Typeform, you can create uh, beautiful looking forms. For you know, I already mentioned some of the usability testing tools like UserTesting.com, Open Hallway, Try My UI, Ethneo. I think those that's that's pretty much it. So simple is good, actually. You just make use of the software to do your optimization and not use it as the optimization itself, which I think is the right way to go. Yeah, I mean, the, the main main value of, the, of optimization work is, is not tools, but it's, it's the optimizer and uh, seeing stuff from the data and uh, 
you know, having the, the right mindset, uh, the right know-how and the right frameworks to, to work with. Because you could do all of it basically on, on paper if you want it, you know, uh, and, and do surveys over, over the phone and whatnot. You don't need any tools really except for A-B testing. If you had one top actionable tip for improving conversions on a website, what would it be? Mm, well, I guess it would be this uh, have a proper, clear value proposition that uh, that your users care about. So value propositions make a whole lot of difference and uh, make sure that they're not just on the homepage, but on every major landing page on your site. I think that's a great tip. So I understand you have a book out. Can you tell us more about that? Uh, it's true. It's a it's a compilation of my uh, blog posts, um, the best of my blog, Conversion Excel. It's called How to Build Websites That Sell. And um, it's a book like no other I've seen. Uh, and you can get it uh, from Amazon for uh, like five bucks or something. It's well worth the money. And uh, it's got very good reviews. And it's, you read it and you're definitely... Well on your way to building websites that uh, achieve business results. Great. Looks like everyone should go out there and get that book. I know I went out and got the book. Awesome. Where can people find out more about you or get in touch with you? Uh, yeah, everybody uh, check out my blog, conversionxl.com. Uh, usually post like two posts a week. Thorough conversion advice. And uh, you can also find my email on the same website. Uh, I'll be happy to answer any follow-up questions you might have. Thank you once again for your time today. Uh, my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Conversions Podcast. Please leave us a review and rating on iTunes if you enjoy our podcast. We love hearing from you. Connect with us at our website, conversionspodcast.com, and let us know what you think.